Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 160. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing today? Uh, I, f- I see that people have finally figured out that Skip Bayless is a piece of garbage. Yeah, um, total scumbag What's... move from him. That really pissed me off, by the way. I don't know if you want to give a little more context, but... Yeah, so he calls out Dak Prescott, right? It's Dak Prescott. I'm not yep. a big NFLer. Um, because his brother died and he was feeling depressed about it. Which sounds about right. If my brother died, I would not be able to get out of bed for a few days. But because he's the quarterback for did he actually say America's team? Amer- I'm pretty yeah, sure that, I heard him say that. That's that's that the Dallas Cowboys nickname America's team. But not oh, only- I, I get I get that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's stupid because oh, like, totally. they're all America's team. <laughs> I like, come on. Oh, oh, totally. You don't have to tell me on that. Uh, and his, his brother died of an apparent suicide, too, by the way, just to make matters completely worse on the issues that he was talking about or spewing the hate about. God, I hate Skip Bayless so much. And I don't usually like like calling out sports writers because I hate when I get called out. But like, mm-hmm. it's not I'm not being called out for being a, a bag of garbage, and I'm not calling out people for being bags of garbage either. Or sorry, that's not what I'm referring to. What I refer to is like, I don't call out like if I I see something that Arthur Staple writes and I don't like it, I'm not going to be like Arthur, you're an idiot. I don't believe that. No, yeah, like yeah, he's no. entitled to his opinion. This is an actual garbage. Thing. How do we? How did we get here? Like. This is not something new from Skip Bayless, though. This is no. nothing new. That's his shtick, right? 101. I, I guess, but uh, that that's the worst. Like, he has awful takes to begin with, but that's just, uh, I mean, scum of the earth stuff. Like, can, it's 2020. Can we stop putting down, like, men or anyone, but specifically more so men for talking about their mental health and stuff like that? Because I feel like it's, it's especially taboo for athletes and men to talk about it. Robin Leonard was, was praised. Thank God, you know, everyone got on board with him and supported him and he seems to be turning his uh, life around. But that the last thing Dak Prescott needs right now is any form of criticism, which is just ridiculous from skip. Sorry. Yeah. That really ticked me off too. So I wanted to get my two cents in on that. Absolutely. So, uh, good up on that. How are you doing, buddy? Just to get that out of our chest. I didn't want to wait to the social segment. I don't think I could have sat on it for that long. No. Yeah. Um, I'm doing pretty well myself. Uh, I actually wanted to talk about something too as well. So tomorrow is a big day uh, in New York history. Uh, 19 years ago, the September 11th attacks. Uh, everyone remembers where they were 19 years ago. Uh, and it's it's scary to think that it, it's been 19 years already and next year is going to be 20 years since the uh, attack on uh, the Twin Towers. And uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, me and my fellow New Yorkers will be thinking of you guys, all the first responders. Yeah, I can't say enough good things. Um, really appreciate all you do then and, and now, too. Um, and it's it's a tough day. But we're going to be able to get through this, you know, together, just like every year. And uh, it's important to, you know, take a little bit of time out of your day and just, you know, think about everything that happened that day 19 years ago. That I, I couldn't, I, I can't say anything more than that. Like, that's succinct to the point, and I completely agree. Thank you to all the first responders for everything you do uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, yes, there. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a New Yorker. I know where I was, but like it's not was not the same. No, absolutely. It's uh it's a lot. But with that, on a lighter note, let's get into some hockey, Mitch. We have 
a lot to talk about because we have to put a bow on the uh, on the Flyer series because we left off with Game Six still, you know, in, in the works. We were both pretty confident that the Islanders were going to be able to close things out in Game Six, uh, but that unfortunately wasn't the case, Mitch. They were unable to close out Game Six, and uh, that was a rather frustrating one because the Islanders had what felt like half a million shots in that game. Mm-hmm. Like 53, was, 54? I, I, let's bring it up. Let's bring it up. Uh, it was a lot. I think they had 107 shot attempts. <laughs> I know nuts. that's not going to be uh, displayed there. And, of course, there was overtime, so that that's something to consider as well. But, yeah, the, the run of play was very much in favor of the Islanders, and yet we're still heading to overtime because, like, this is what happens when you face a hot goalie and a team that really typically doesn't shoot a lot. Um, like the Islanders, although in this on this occasion they were shooting a lot, they just happened to face a good goalie. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was not the ending that we would have liked with the Islanders falling in overtime and having to go to a Game 7. But when anytime you lose in double overtime, it stinks. But when you feel like you outplay your opponent and lose in double overtime is even more frustrating, I feel like. Oh, absolutely, right? Because, like, we, we shouldn't be here, guys. We should not be here, but here we are. Right, I'm pretty sure they doubled shots by the third period. Like, yeah. So it was 53 to 31 total shots throughout the game. And I'm just trying to bring it up now. 10, 18, 28, 38 plus 4, 44. Or, sorry, 42 shots throughout three periods, right? The uh, Flyers had 5, 8. So we're at 13 plus 4, 17. That's just bananas. That's why. <laughs> Uh, no, we should not have gone to Game 7 because of this. Like, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. The Islanders had more shots in the second period than the Flyers had the entire game. Right. That's why. <laughs> that, that's bananas. That's so crazy. Oh, my God. But um, that that game kind of led to a big-time decision from Barry Trotz, which kind of it ends up playing into the Tampa Bay series, which we're going to get into, you know, after this. But after that game, after Semyon Varlamov allows five goals— he has a decision on his hands to go with either Thomas Grice or Varlamov. Um, a lot of people felt that it was necessary for a spark, and Barry Trotz decided to change goalies. He went with Thomas Grice, and to his credit, it worked. Grice didn't face a ton of shots. He, what, 16, 19 shots? It was under 20. He, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, he was good against the shots that he faced, but this was your prototypical like Islanders just going to shut this down you're not going to be able to generate anything of chance yeah I called it from the start that you have to go with Thomas Grice um you really need to go with... <laughs> I can't oh, do it boy. <laughs> I, I didn't call it at all I, I said Varley the entire way for for other reasons and yeah it's not that Thomas Grice was the wrong choice in my opinion it's just that I didn't see Barry Trotz making that choice because he doesn't seem like the bold type of guy to go like, well, I have to go this other way uh, to give it a shot. But he, he did it and it worked. And to be fair, like Thomas Grice, maybe not to be fair, maybe to um, teach myself a lesson maybe, is that Thomas Grice was good in this series, right? He came in relief for uh, for Varley in game two yes. and did not allow a goal in the 20 shots, 21 shots. Well, he, he allowed the overtime goal. It was right. 20 of yes. 21. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, but um, he, he was good in relief. And then he started the back-to-back game, and he was great there as well. Yeah, he was. And, he allowed two goals, but the other one was a garbage time goal, and his save percentage was still excellent in that game as well. Yeah, exactly. He was not at fault for, for that game whatsoever. Uh, so, like, it's not like he had a bad choice to make. And he, he had said that throughout the playoffs, right, from mm-hmm. day one. He said, whoever I put in net... Uh, it, it's no reflection on the other guy, and I don't really, I can't make a bad choice because both of my guys are good. Uh, and, and he proved that in Game Seven when he pitches a shutout. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And part of the reason for why I I was beating the drum for uh, Thomas Grice was not so much anti Varley as much as it was okay. I think this team just needs a spark after losing back to back games going into a game seven, and I trust both. I do. I I think both goalies can handle it, and Thomas Grice looked good in that series, so I was confident in Thomas Grice, and it ended up working out. Like like we said, I, you know, uh, Barry Trotz 
decided to make that move. I think it surprised me. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to. I wanted him to, but I wasn't expecting him to make that move. And uh, he he stuck with Grice going into the next series, which we'll get to momentarily. But just briefly, after winning Game 7 and putting together that performance, uh, you know, it, it, they looked dominant in that game. I, we have to talk about how much this means to Islanders fans. Because they waste, they waited a long time. They wasted a lot of years, for sure, watching this team. I don't know why that was coming out. But nice. they waited a really long time for this, Mitch. 27 years in the making, and they are finally back in an Eastern Conference final. Yeah, like there's a lot of, you're right, wasted years there, right? Like we spent, we the Islanders spent a lot of time trying different things and, 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 bar- and surviving, really, right? Like ownership did what it needed to do uh, to to survive and stay in the market that they're in. Uh, I'm specifically talking about uh, Charles Wong here. Correct. Um, just the, keeping this this team alive and treading water when the, the revenues weren't there. And we'll get to revenues later-ish. It's uh, something I want to bring up in the social segment. Sure. Uh, but... Yeah, like just just treading water and trying to just be as competitive as they can while, you know, icing maybe not the most competitive team with, you know, not the most competitive budget. And now that they have, I'm not going to say the the budget because like the the stands still aren't being filled, right? Like they're still one of the four lowest attendance teams in the league, I'm pretty sure, um, just just based off of percentages, which is, is fine. But they're still competing and they're competing at the top. Like over the last two years, they're the seventh best team. So this this was a long time coming of just kind of like trudging through crap and finally, finally getting some success, right? When when we have everything, we had one guy bring in a bunch of talent and he couldn't coalesce it, right? He couldn't bring it together and, and, and bring it to a, a, a higher level. And now right. we have a guy that was able to do that. He didn't bring in all that talent. That That's clearly not what he's done yet. I, I'm sure he will get the chance to. But he did what he does best, and he brought in the best of the best to prop up the talent he already had. 100%. I I think he hit it on the head perfectly when describing that. Uh, And we, as fans, have been through a lot, and you hit on a a ton of it. I mean, from the Milbury era, the Snow era, the Spano era, the Fisherman jersey. Like, rattle off so many things. Awful trades, awful free agent signings. Brutal Game 7 losses against Toronto and Washington. Not making the playoffs for five-plus years at a time. It was really rough for a really long time. They couldn't get out of the first round for 23 freaking years. And now, four years after that, they find themselves in an Eastern Conference Final. Um, Like you said, Lou still has some work to do. This isn't a perfect team. Yes, they are one of the four teams remaining, and they I still believe that they have... As good a chance of any to win this year, but Lou can still do more. And this team really is headed in the right direction. And a new building is coming, which is arguably the biggest of them all, that they're staying, they're getting a new building just for them. And it, it starts to, for me, it starts from the top with ownership. From day one, John Ledecky and Scott Malkin have made every single right decision. They pushed every single right button. You end up with a Hall of Fame-level GM. Uh, Barry Trotz is going to be a Hall of Famer when his career is all said and done. Um, It's just a a beautiful setup. And even after losing your franchise piece, to have this success is just insanity. I, I don't have words for it. Right, like that. That's one of the things that we we often forget, specifically when we get into the debate of, well, this isn't Lou's team, and you're going, cool, it's not. But the biggest piece of Garth's team pieced out on day one, or maybe not, yeah, day, yeah literally day one, Pretty right? Much. Like July first, the first day he could leave, the the cornerstone piece of Garth's team's like, I'm out, and they're still better, better in spite of that, literally. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, you lost the best player on your team. And got significantly better. And yes, again, we will both admit that this roster is not a perfect roster. But they are 100% moving in the right direction to get this thing going. And like like we said, right now, they're playing really good hockey. Or they, they were to get to the Eastern Conference Final. And again, we're going to talk more about the Eastern Conference Final in the second half of the show. But... It's it's truly amazing just to reflect on, 
You know, like, like around fans our age, you were really young the last time they they made it this far. I wasn't born yet. It's like the uh, entire generation of Islanders fans. This is the most success that we know, and it's just truly amazing to sit back and watch from afar now at this point. It really is, right? Because you have to take that generational uh, factor into it as well. Because not only have most of us not witnessed what will happen in 1993, all the stories we know are like is, is the bad stuff. Like you said, the Millbury years, the snow years, spinal, yep. blah, 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 blah. It was just hit after hit after hit after hit. And now we're finally like, is it okay to come outside? <laughs> right? There, that, that meme, right? It's like, I want to go out and boosh, you get punched in the face. That was the Islanders. Just every year we're like, let's go outside, boosh, punch in the face. Now we're finally taking a step out and no one's punching us in the face. We're the ones doing the punching, yeah. sort of. No, 100%. It feels good to be on the right side of this. Because for years it was like, hey, the Islanders are the punching bag. No, no. Now, now, like you said, the Islanders are doing the punching. And I mean, yes, there are still the haters out there, but I do, I do see that there are some and a decent amount of people giving the Islanders credit. I, it, there's always going to be haters, of course. Yeah. Like, look, Skip, we, we open the show with the hatest hater of them all, right? Like, mm-hmm. he has to win the player haters ball every year. Every year, Skip Bayless wins the player hater ball, no Correct. matter what. Uh, just the fact that I don't even have it. Just, anyways, give it to him. Uh, there's always going to be a hater out there. Uh, but for me, it's it's seeing how there's more the, the more positivity that is coming out, or, and that this organization is bringing out not only within the national media, but within the fan base itself, right? Like we are a fairly negative bunch because that's all we've known, uh, and, and now now we're like, okay, right, we can come out now. We can come out and say positive things and be right about it. That's yes. incredible. Yeah, that that's huge because usually, like you said, it's waiting for that other shoe to drop. But with the leadership in place, that's not necessarily the case as much. Like that, yeah, there's still a, probably a small part of us because we've been hurt so bad that is like waiting for that other shoe to come down. But again, should we say the names again? <laughs> Lou Lamarill and Barry Trotz are in charge of this team. Like that's exactly. awesome. That should bring a smile to your face. Yeah, let's not think about the. Even just the immediate future, right? Let's just think about today. We're good today. Uh, there, there might be some hardships and soon because the core of this team is old. It is. And it's locked into a lot of money for a lot of years. That is a fact. But if we win now, it's worth it. It's worth it. I, I get I get some of the criticism saying like, well, this team isn't... We, we can build for longer rather than just now. And you're going cool but like the direction of this franchise is if we win now we're, we're trying to trend in the most positive way and the quickest way possible uh this isn't like let's tear it down and build for the next 10 years this is let's try to build for five years out maybe uh but but really focus on on the now yeah and who knows what the future holds and like in that and a potential rebuild and stuff like that but i think the islanders had to uh give themselves a uh, some form of like stability uh, in a, in a franchise because oh, yeah. yes they um you know they they had some nice core pieces during the the end of the snow era when they made a couple of playoff pushes and stuff like that um and sure you could have you know tore it down but I I think the Islanders almost needed the the same guys being in here for a little bit and and building this the foundation of this thing that's that's what I see this as is the foundation this is the second year of it this is not the finished product like. You have to be able to build off of what you have and have something sustainable, and I think that they are doing that uh, right now, and we're we're seeing the benefits of it. Yes, so long may it last, obviously, Um, but for the now, there's a ton of positivity with this team because they're in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time. We're a top-four team in the NHL. I don't care how anyone says, yeah, but the regular season standing said that you didn't even make the playoffs. Whatever. Look at the draft standings. We are one of the top-four teams. Minimum. We are minimum a top four team. We might even be a top two team, right? So, like, that's an important thing to look at. It is. It is. It 100% is, and I can't say enough good things about it. I like that we're talking positivity. I like it. Yeah. Because there's, there's enough time for negativity. Yeah. We did negative. We did negativity for three years. Let's talk some positive stuff. Fair enough. Let's do it. Absolutely. So, <laughs> to the Eastern Conference Finals. To the Eastern Conference Finals in an O2 <laughs> hole. That's what we're getting to next. Okay. 
Positivity. So, <laughs> all right, Mitch. So game, we got to talk. There's been two games played. We got to talk the first yeah. one, which is all good. The second one hurt more, in my opinion. But we got to we got to talk about game one. Utter disaster. An eight two loss. Waited twenty seven years for this, and an eight two loss in game one. Woof and a half. Yeah. So like, it, it, we're not going to break down the game. Uh, if you want a breakdown of the games. You have the perfect place to go at patreon.com slash eyes on Isles, where after every single New York Islanders game, home, away, playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, we sit down like 45 minutes after the game is done and record a 30-minute show, breaking down period by period action, highlights, lowlights, winners and losers. Uh, yep. We get into some headlines that you provide us because I'm not very creative when it comes to those. Uh, and, and it's a good rip-roaring time. Every Islanders game, uh, it's 5 bucks a month, so eyesonisles.com. Uh, sorry, patreon.com slash eyesonisles. There you go. Um, but, yeah, that 8-2 game, I don't think that that was in, as indicative as it suggests. I don't think that the Islanders lost that game 8-2. They, they literally did, but like they didn't put an 8-2 performance in. I, or, sorry, they're not an 8-2 team. Let me just put it that way. Okay. They're not. Yes. No, uh, agree. Agree. The the scariest stat that we talked about was that the Lightning missed the net once, and it took three periods for that to happen, just about. Yeah, they missed at the, it was 67 seconds left, I think, in the game before yeah. they missed the damn net. Yeah, that it was like. Happen. That cannot happen. It was like 57 minutes. It was like something absolutely absurd. And there were portions where, like, the Islanders were controlling play. It was just like these – they capitalized, they being the Lightning, capitalized on literally every single slip-up from the Islanders who, yes, they, they traveled and they looked very much like a team that played Game 7, you know, 48 hours earlier. Uh, it was rough. It was really rough, and the Lightning are a great team who took advantage. Yeah, well, there's also the bubble factor that we have to consider here. Like, they went from bubble to bubble um, and, and in, a, in a day and then had to play. Like you said, went from a game seven um, that they dominated, but that that's you have to put in one hell of an effort to dominate a team like the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, they, they just did not give up. Uh, and weren't there a ton of hits in that game, too? Like, yes. that takes a toll. Um, and then they travel to Edmonton, and they go from bubble to bubble. So you got to be careful of everything. There's a whole stress involved in that. Um, haven't seen loved ones in like, like three weeks, almost a month now. Uh, it, it, it takes a toll. And then you get into Edmonton, where I'm, uh, everyone's told that they don't have the same amenities that they had in, in Toronto, which is an issue when you have to like show up and be like, oh, we're going to be here for a month, something like that. And this place is not like the other place. Awesome. And the other place was already terrible because we're living in a bubble. So that factors into it. They were clearly the second best team that night. Like they didn't have their legs. Like uh, every mistake they made was avoidable. Every single one of them. Like getting body positioning on those first two goals, or sorry, the second and third goal. Yeah. Um, getting a stick down on the ice for Thomas Grice to prevent the Braden Point coming across the slot. To, to even Ryan Pollock just taking his man out on Braden Point at the first minute and a half. Mm-hmm. It, it was just not. The Islanders are not an 8-2 to team in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we saw that in Game 2. Yeah, 100%. They they came back and put together a much better effort in Game 2. Um, definitely a frustrating game in Game 2 as well, but but for completely different reasons. That was That's more of an Islanders effort. They, to me, were the better team in Game 2, but somehow lost because of two mental mistakes. Two mental mistakes cost them and the inability to score on the power play. I've seen some people say that that's not the reason why they lost, which is driving me absolutely insane that there is an actual argument on Twitter that no, the Islanders didn't lose that game because the power play was bad because they still they generated like a lot of shots on the power play, Mitch. They just didn't score. Well, I, I didn't know the object of the game was to get as many shots as possible on the power play. I thought it was to score, to put the puck in the net on the power play. I don't know. Maybe I'm playing the game wrong, Mitch. You might be playing the game wrong. No, no, clearly not. Like, you want to put as many goals up. Uh, you want to put up more goals than the opponent. That's the whole point of the game. And the best opportunity the best opportunity to do so is on the power play. Specifically, a five-minute major. Yeah, you have a five-minute major, which we're going to talk about both controversial hits because that we have a lot to say on that. But you have a five-minute major, and you only generate five shots. So that's one a minute. 
That's not enough on a power play. If you told me mm-hmm. that the Islanders finished with two shots on a power play, like a, on a two-minute one, because that's what you do on average, not enough. You need to you need to have more than that, and just not good enough. And then later in the game, you have a five-on-three for forty seconds, and you got zero shots on the five-on-three. That's inexcusable. That's that's the one that stinks. Not the, I don't think they they lost because they didn't convert on the five-on-three. Like it's playoffs. Tampa knows what what to do. Um, but to get no shots, that's the one that stings the most. Like you you got to get at least a shot off on a five on three. Like you have all that space that, that to me is indicative of, of their issues on the power play specifically, because when you have all that open ice for at least 40 seconds and like they had zone time, right? Like you said in the, on the post game podcast, it's not like they started in their own, their own defensive zone when they had the five mm-hmm. on three, that's not how it works. You get a penalty. It's an offensive zone face off. Um, but they, they got it, they got zone time, and then they did nothing with it. There was even a turnover. They gave it away. How do you give it away? You have two more guys on the ice. It makes no sense. It really makes no sense how you can turn the puck over. Um, but those two power plays in particular were not very good. And then you have the mental mistakes. So should we should we talk about the mental mistakes at this point, Mitch? Yeah, there's three, really, and they all yes. come from the same player. Well, maybe not uh, three. The two. Two come from the same player. So the first one is the first goal that the Islanders allowed to Lightning. So they jump out to a one nothing lead. Credit to Matt Martin for getting a, mm-hmm. a puck on net. Was it the prettiest goal? No, it wasn't, but it was Doesn't effective. Matter. Doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, but later in the first period, Devontae is skating up the ice. And right before the red line, like he needs about a stride and a half to get the red line. He dumps the puck in. Now. There's an argument whether Kevin Shattenkirk touched the puck or not, and whether or not it should have been an shouldn't have been an icing. He did. It shouldn't. But anyways, doesn't matter. We we would not have had to talk about is or is that not a, a, an icing. We would not have talked about should Semyon Varlamov have stopped the puck from Victor Hedman's shot. Would not have mattered if he skated an extra four feet before dumping the puck. Or, or. Instead of skating that extra thing, that extra step, which he didn't want to do, just lightly dump it in, right? Just feather it in. You don't need to get it to the end. Just get it in there. Just get it through the blue line. That's it. That's it. You don't have to dump it in. Just put it in, right? So then you don't have an icing. That's a possibility, too. They do that all the time. They saw that against the Flyers all the time on the power play or on yes. the penalty kill. Instead of, like, whipping it all the way down the ice, they would just toss it into an area and just have it, like, hit dead ice and just not move any further. That's fine. Do that. You should have done that. Why? Why? Like, it just... I don't understand what Devin Taze's thought process was. I, to me, I, I, it seemed like he just did not want to get hit, and he got rid of it as quickly as he could, and that shot him in the foot, and the Islanders in the foot, really. Yeah, 100%. And that, like we said, that was the first one. That was a frustrating one, because that tied up the game. The Islanders played well enough to have to have the lead after the first period, but unfortunately, it was all tied up one and one. Yeah, like, and that that's the problem, right? Because... You, you have the goal at the end of the period. You're up one. You're having a strong performance after a 8-2 letdown in the previous game. You want to be able to show this team, this, this, this opponent, that you mean business. And giving up a goal like that is awful. And it seems like most of their, like, their major mental mistakes happen against the Lightning. Like, I'm still... I'm still not processed or, or not over the one that like they did, two like, two ago. years ago. Yeah. Off the face-off with, like, what was it, a minute and 14 seconds left in the game? Defense is on face-off, and they're all huddled like, guys, I have a great breakout strategy. Let's win the draw, and all three fours leave the zone immediately. They win, except Ryan Pollock gives away the puck, and then all three fours are outside the off- the defensive zone. Tyler Point, Tyler Johnson, not Tyler Point, that's two different pe- That's a different person, doesn't even exist. Um, Tyler Johnson scores, and they lose. Mental mistake. Dumb, 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 dumb. They keep doing it against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that was game two, in a nutshell. Yep, 100%. And that's not the only one, because like like we said, Mitch, so Devontae's would have another one, if we're doing chronological order here, in the third period, under two minutes to go, a minute and change, and Anders Lee and Devontae's essentially go in on a two-on-one. Anders Lee throws the puck to Devontae's with nobody around him it's him and Vasilevsky that is it instead of taking a shot 
He decides to back pass to Matt Barzal. And it gets tipped away because I forget who was who the trailer was on. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. I don't care. I, I do not care if Leo Komarov is there, if it's Ross Johnston, Matt Martin, Tom Kunakel. Shoot the puck. And this is an offensive defenseman. It's not like it's some defenseman. Like It's not like freaking Brooks Orpik who scores like once every half decade. Like this is Devon Tays. Get a shot on net. Come on. Yeah, you're you're in the slot. This is a high danger area. Uh, the likelihood of you converting this into a goal is high, uh, and you're you're one one. And this is a minute forty seven seconds left in the game. You score here, game over, probably. Uh, not not actually, but like probably the the, yeah. the likelihood of it being game over is high. And he elects to pass. How? What? I, I still don't know that drove me absolutely bananas that that can't happen cannot no. happen it, it, it can't it, it's inexcusable that that is inexcusable that cannot happen uh and then of course as we know they go back the other way and they score with seven point or nine seconds left i yeah. saw it going at 7.8 but i guess they made the, a clock adjustment or whatever nine seconds left and that's the third mental mistake the islanders not being able to kill the game because that goal was not the first opportunity that tampa bay had they had at least, or well, Varlamov had at least two other big saves in that sequence before that. Like, acrobatic-like saves. And then, I mean, Nikita Kucherov is arguably the best goal scorer in the game right now. If not, like, top three. He's up there, yeah, for sure. So, it's just absolutely in- insane that they they're they're unable to get the puck out of the zone. And it's not like it was a bunch of young guys. They're, every single person on the ice was a veteran. Ryan Pulak, Andy Green, both veteran defensemen who should be who should know better. Leo Komarov, JG Pajo, and Andrew Ladd, all three should know better. Yep, and it, it, this is not about reaction. It's it's really about to me like because they've had they had the chance to get on the puck and just kill it, and I think they even had it at one point and then turned it over in the zone, which then led to the flurry of chances by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but it, even then, within those chances, they could not recover the puck and just kill the clock. That's all they needed to do, kill the clock. Again, he scored with nine seconds left, and they couldn't kill it. I guarantee you that's killing Barry Trotz. I guarantee, if he had any hair left on his head, he would have ripped it out after that one. Lipped it, ripped it right off his head. Right off his head. That, uh, one of the more frustrating Islanders games I think I've ever watched. Just... Mental mistake after mental mistake cost them in a game that they should have won. Like they they held Tampa Bay to twenty one shots. Yeah, they they should have won that game. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's really it. They should have won that game. Minimum overtime, minimum overtime, and then it's a fifty fifty. But they didn't do that because of like they couldn't execute on like you mentioned the power play. They mm-hmm. couldn't execute on a simple play. They couldn't execute on a dump in. That's it. That, that's what cost them the game. Maybe like I the the the, the last two I, I named definitely the the power play maybe not so much right like if we're expecting the, the Islanders to get more than one shot per minute on a power play we got we got to change our minds here because like the Islanders do not shoot on the power play I would love them to I want them to they don't uh, and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna five shots on a five minute major that's great for me I'll take it um, ideally they score though yep it's. It's not it's not good because now you find yourself in a 0-2 hole. I don't think the series is over. I expect the Islanders to come out strong in game three as they did in game two. Uh it's just it's it's a it's a tough task to do. Again, it's not over. It's just a very difficult task. And it's against a really good team in Tampa Bay. Like we can't discredit Tampa Bay. They are a phenomenal team. That roster is stacked. It is, and they don't even have Steven Samkos out there, right? Like Man, I I don't know what it would what would look like if if this team had Steven Stamkos on the ice, and they may not even have Braden Point next Braden game. Point exactly, um, which I think that should lead us into before we get into our, our thoughts on the rest of the series. I think we have to talk about the hits on Brock Nelson. Yep. So the first one from Killorn is what caused the five minute major, and he is going to be suspended for one game. He got. It was a five-minute major game misconduct. He was done for the for the game about you know five fifty-five. Yeah, just just six minutes in, and it was a, it was a dirty play. 
there's just no other way to describe it. Dirty play, not good. No, he earned that 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 penalty, the five minutes and the ten minute hour, really like the game. He earned it. He earned the early shower, uh, and the the bench was short. Like that's another advantage that we don't talk about. Like they had a, a Braden point left throughout the, the second period. The Tampa Bay Lightning had nine forwards. They had three lines, and we still lost. Ugh. Oh, yeah. that's rough. One hundred percent. The Islanders were not able to take advantage of that, um, and that wasn't the only one that was a bad hit. Barkley Grudrow, uh, As soon as Brock Nelson comes back on the ice in the second second period or third, no, end of the it was towards the end of the second. I'm it was sure. towards the end of the second. Yeah. Uh, essentially, cross checks Brock Nelson in the back of the head. To put not essentially, the does. Yeah, um, and. No call. No. Nope. No review by the league. Nothing. Crickets on Goudreau. I, I don't I don't I don't know how, but I also do know how. Like they haven't called those things in, in the playoffs. Like uh Nick Felino did it and Pierre Luc Dubois did it against mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Pierre Luc Dubois did it twice. I yeah. think he did it on Kucherov even. Like straight up cross-check to the back of the head. And it's not just that he hit the back of the head. It's that the head then slams into the glass. Yeah, that just adds more fuel on the fire. Right, that's cross-checking and boarding. True, yeah. And nothing. Nothing, like you said, nothing from the league, even though Kucherov, our kill Orn, got a game plus a game, essentially, which is really, when you think about it come playoff terms, that's four games. That's four regular season games he was given for that hit. Yeah, that's a good point. And Goudreau got nothing. Nothing. Like, if anything, suspend Goudreau, or not Goudreau, um, oh my god. Yeah, Goodrow, not Goudreau. Anyways, suspend Goodrow. Don't suspend Killorn. I- I'm fine if Killorn doesn't get suspended because in my eyes he's still got essentially a full game. If they okay. if they do, and they did, great, cool, then that's one less player I have to worry about. Awesome. Uh but you have to. You you've now set a precedent where a boarding call like this, a dangerous boarding call that that could result in an injury, is suspendable. You have to go after Barkley Goodrow, and they don't. And I, I don't I don't understand. I, I don't understand how you don't do that. That doesn't it doesn't compute. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense in a, a league that is supposedly trying to make changes to take care of their players. Really missed a wide open chance to right the wrong, and they didn't do it. Yeah. With that being said, I don't understand how Brock Nelson kept playing. Like he fell to the ice, clutching his head, and he did not go off for the concussion spotter there. How? <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I don't know what the uh, the process is on that, but yeah, that was that was scary. If the Kalorn one requires him to go to the the, the dark room for whatever long and, and to go through the the protocol. This one certainly would as well. Like, again, cross-check, not not again, not just to the back of the head, like the neck. Think mm-hmm. about just where the helmet ends, boom, you're getting a stick across the neck, and then your face slams against the boards. Or not the boards, the glass. Oh, my God. Like, Jesus, that's a shattered cheekbone for me. Easy. I, I Yeah, that's it. That would take me out, too. Right, and then to not have a concussion protocol, be like, oh, you need to go and then make sure that you're not seeing stars for a minute here. That's incredible to me. Specifically yep. also because he just came back from doing that already. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I that one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. So and he clearly was off. Like he wasn't the same Brock Nelson throughout that no. game. No. Um so I would expect he has a better game in game three. It's not like he was terrible, but he wasn't himself. Um because mm. he got his cage rattled twice with dirty, dirty plays. Uh just Hopefully the league goes back on it, but I, I don't expect to. They won't. They won't do this forty-eight hours after the fact. No. Um, which I guess kind of is where I want to go with this next. Is what is your expectation for a game three in the rest of the series? It's gonna. It's gonna be physical. It's gonna be tight. Um, I. I can see the Islanders winning the series. It would have to go obviously a full game seven. I mean obviously, but they would have to go seven. I don't see them winning four in a row. No, yeah. Um yeah, absolutely must win game three. You can't go down three oh. No. I think there's a good chance the Islanders tie this series up at two games apiece. 
that's yeah huge probability i i just didn't want to come out like islanders win this series don't worry baby they got this no i like no, i'm rattled no, no, a bit no. because like they're down 2-0 against like you said a really good team yeah 100 and i don't want that to sound like i'm discrediting tampa bay or not taking them seriously like no this is a very very good team that very well could win the stanley cup this year i just think this team has a lot of fight in it and uh i think with their essentially their their back up against the wall i, I think that they will um push back and I, I do think they get the next two and that would make for a hell of a series man if you tie this thing up at two games apiece that and like they're they're good against Tampa they're two one and oh against Tampa this series uh this series this season um they, they've shown that they can beat them even last year right when Tampa was destroying the league like almost at will Yes. Um, so like the, the Islanders know how to play against them and we saw the game too. Like they had a really good game against the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, so when they're at their game and when they can play well, um, they, they, they could do this like, and Tampa had a full week, right? A full week to get ready. And yes. usually that doesn't factor in as much. Um, but when you have no distractions and you're in a bubbles environment, uh, you really heal up quick, man. Like you, I'm going to go take a nap. I got nothing better to do. I'm gonna nap it up, buddy. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm with you on there, but I, I just think that for uh, the the rest of this series, uh, that the Islanders are gonna put in a good fight. I don't think they're gonna bow out easy. No, I I don't think so either. I would be surprised if they get swept. I'd be very surprised if they get swept, even though they lost game one eight two. Absolutely. Shall we get into the quiz now, Mitch? Let's do it. As we do every week, it's time for the quiz where I try to get Matt to guess a player who has played for the New York Islanders and has played X number of games. Today, that X is 60 for episode 160. So Matt, this player has played 60 games for the Islanders in his career. Are you ready? Let's do it. For the newbie or for everyone, anyone who's not heard this, I give clues. They get progressively easier and I'll only get you five chances to guess the player. Clue number one, I was born in Ottawa on in October of 1975. I didn't put the date because I don't think you, that really changes anything. Mitch Anderson. Incorrect. I'm not that old. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, two. I had two stints with the New York Islanders four years apart. So he played okay. one season, and then four years later, he played for the Islanders again. Interesting. Okay. I came don't. back to the Islanders as part of a trade that had Mike York going the other way. I don't know. Next. That's fine. Uh, four. I am not related to Luc... Uh, to, sorry, I was trying to say it in French and in English. Uh, I am not related to Luc Robitaille. Okay. Next. Five. Randy Marsh and I share a name. Randy is his first name. Correct. <laughs> yes. And his last name is Robitaille. Correct. Randy Robitaille played 60 games for the New York Islanders. You don't remember him, eh? No. That's fine. Again, he only played 60 games. Um, <laughs> so it's not a whole lot of... And I think his last year was in 13. And, uh, no, 2006, 2007. I don't know why I was going to say 13. Okay. He was in the KHL by then. Um, so, like, you're what, two, two and a half? No, I was uh, <laughs> I was 12 in okay. uh, 2007. I got the that two, was, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's not peak metal Leary Islander fandom time, but uh, I, I should have been better on that one. I tried to get a guy from your wheelhouse. You I did, really did. No, you, you you've been doing good. You have. You've been. It's been fair. That that's on me. I'm not going to be perfect every week. It happens. We yeah. have off weeks. Everyone has off weeks. Tried to even get 160. I couldn't find anyone who even had 160. So it's tough because like I don't want to be like, here's a guy from 1974 that has played 60 games, right? Like that's not yeah, fair. No. no, yeah, that would not be good for me. So there's there's the 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 uh, oh my god the quiz. Thank you to Rambi Robitaille for your um. Your support here, even though you don't know that we we dedicated this to you. Absolutely. Want to get into the social, Mitch? Yes, let's do that. All right, what do you got for us? Uh, why do you hate Devin Tays? Why do I hate Devon Tays? Because <laughs> all I'm seeing on our timeline is why, because you wrote an article about uh, why Devin Tays should sit, and I, and I, I understand why you wrote that. 
Um, okay. That's perfectly fine. It's just I thought it was funny of all the comments being like, oh, what? No, he'll never sit. Oh, my God. These were the same people hating Devin Tays last night. Same people. I mean, if you have a healthy Johnny Boychuk, like I was just making the case for an Andy Green, Scott Mayfield pair and a Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk reunion. Yeah, that's it. I don't think that's completely irrational. After a bad game, your your back's up against the wall, down 2-0. Like, yeah, you might want to take out the guy who sucked the night before. That's a possibility, right? So, like, yeah. Anyways, uh, that's not the the real social stuff that I wanted to get into. I just, <laughs> you just I wanted, wanted to, to throw get me under riled the bus up a little bit here. Yeah, no, no, no. Just throw 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 your uh, throw your teammate <laughs> under the bus. Completely fine. I get it. I get it. It's cool. Um, this one comes from Frank Saravalli of TSN. Okay. Uh, it says news: at least seventeen NHL teams have reduced the pay of hockey operations staff, including GMs and coaches, as they feel the crunch of COVID nineteen and the uncertainty of what lies ahead. And then he has a list of all the teams in the, in his article. Okay. The Islanders are not in that in that grouping. Hey, that's good. So, like, think about that for a second. The Islanders are building a brand new arena. Um, they're funding all kinds of stuff around that arena, uh, and all the projects around it, the LIRR, all that other stuff. They're fielding a team, and they're not cutting pay. I- I'm sure they will eventually. They're probably not doing it for the playoffs. Um, right. Not that, like, if Barry Trotz takes a 20% cut, he's going to be like, what? I'm done. I'm shipping this in. I don't care what happens. Nah, they're going to play anyways. Um, and yeah. most of these guys have made millions. So like I lose 20%. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm, I'm very happy that the Islanders are not on that list. It shows that uh, ownership is, knows what they're doing. I like this. Yeah. And that, that they're financially healthy, right? Like that's something you haven't said about the New York Islanders in pff, what? Since like 1984. <laughs> Yeah, thirty years, probably right. more they, than thirty years. Probably like once once the 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 core of the four started being like let go yeah. and replaced, right? So late late eighties, so a little bit more than thirty years ago, right? So like when I was two, um, it's it's been a while, and it feels good that we're financially healthy. And again, cuts are coming. The, the, I I can't imagine the owners will be like, oh, we're just gonna print out money. I don't think that uh, S- Scott Malkin and John Ledecky are that wealthy. No. Um, and and if they they got that wealthy, it wasn't just for printing money. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I got one. It comes from Thomas Grice's Instagram. He put up an Instagram story, and it's uh, I'm helping with uh, Simpsons character waving. Mitch, who is that? Ralph. Ralph, <laughs> Ralph okay. Wilkin. There you go. It's Ralph. Ralph waving. I'm not a big Simpson guy. I know you like worship the show. So I, I don't worship the is. show. I think it's uh, amazing. I wasn't allowed to watch the show growing up. Really? Yeah, my parents okay. thought that Bart Simpson was an underachiever and that somehow that would make me an underachiever. <laughs> I don't know where they got that now that I blog in my basement. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say that, Mitch. Please. Not nice. Not nice. But hysterical, by the way, because he, like we said, he faced like 16 shots in the game and he's like, I guess I'm helping kind of thing. Hey, man, you did your job. Just because yeah. the team in front of you didn't let, let you face any rubber doesn't mean you should complain about it. You don't want the least rubber, the better. Absolutely. What else you got, Mitch? Uh, this one comes from Pete Lynch. So at P8R Lynch. So Pete okay. Peter. Anyways, uh, Mike Bossy could have scored from the bench. And he he's replying to a tweet of uh, Mike Bossy scoring a goal, uh, I believe, against the Detroit Red Wings. Or is that the Colorado Rockies? No, that's the Calgary Flames. Anyways. It's just okay. saw a big C. And he just splits the D and it's completely effortless. Like he splits it, he gets a shot off and scores. And the reason I bring this up isn't just like fan over Mike Bossy as I look over his autographed jersey in my face. Um, <laughs> it's that this is exactly what the Islanders need. Obviously, any team needs a Mike Bossy, but they need a goal scorer. And that's yes. why I want to bring this up, because we talk a lot about the Islanders and what they need and what they need and what, what they're missing. And it's goal scoring. Right. Like we saw earlier this week, like, oh, Tori Krug would be interesting for the Islanders. No. Yeah. Like, of course, like he's a great player and he would help a lot. Like he would be maybe help. But like. I think we need a goal scorer, and I think that is well-established canon at this point, that the yeah. ninth, the, the, the 2021 New York Islanders need more goal scoring, and it hasn't even happened yet. Yes, no, 100%, yes, agree. And, like, yeah, I have no issue with Tory Krug. He's a good player, but I don't see how he helps the, the Islanders need right now. I really don't. No, like, they're set on the blue line. Yeah, he can add more points, and he can maybe do better on the power play, sure, uh, but so can Anders Lee, who had two power play goals the entire season. So... If we're looking for an uptick on, on on the power play, let's look at the guys we have now and that we're paying $7 million a year. Okay, fair. 
So sorry. Definitely fair. What do you got? Uh, last one for me is a anniversary. Did you know that five years today, Matt Barzal signed his first contract with the New York Islanders? Ooh, I did not know that. No. And Eric Hornick tweets, happy anniversary, Barzal. Tomorrow would be a good day to celebrate. Yes, a big game for Matt Barzal tomorrow would be a very nice way to celebrate this. Yes, even with a half eye, he's still better than most of the players out there. 1,000%, yes. Uh, my last one isn't necessarily Islanders related so much. It's hockey related still. So it's the voting for the Selkie Trophy. So congratulations to Son Couturier for a well-deserved uh, Selkie Trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no New York Islander player on the list that, that even received a vote. Technically speaking, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot got seven votes. Um, but okay. the, sorry, 17 votes, but mm-hmm. he's not an Islander or sorry, 17 points. He did receive, what is it? Uh, yeah, seven votes. None of them were first place votes, but, um, mm-hmm. guys like Mitch Marner received a vote. How? In what world? Uh, Leon Dreisaitl received a vote for Selkie trophy. For Selkie? No, come on. He's no, not, he's not, not a two way player. He's not, it's not. no. No, he's not. He isn't. He's a, the, both those guys are good players, but that's not their gimmick, man. That's just not what they do. No, exactly. So uh, it just it's just ridiculous. Some of these votings, right? Like it's not that it mattered. Again, like Sean Couturier won with fourteen hundred points. Next up was Patrice Bergeron with eight hundred eighty four points. Like it no, wasn't even close. close. Yeah, no. It, uh, both those guys are more fitting, though. Oh, absolutely. E- easily, easily. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, so with that, let's get some plugs in here before we go. Wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe. Leave a rating and a review. That really helps us out. We appreciate it. And thank you for sticking with us as we continue to grow. You could also follow along with us on social media. Uh, Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone and Android. And you can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. Last but certainly not least, the Patreon we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. For $5 a month, you get post-game shows, mailbag shows, live streams, Q&A, like mailbags. So much content is going on over there. It, you definitely get a bang for your buck. It's a lot of fun over there. Great community of Islanders fans. And uh, can't wait to record the mailbag after this, Mitch. That'll do it for us on episode number 160. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.